It's hard to imagine a world without music. For over 35,000 years, music has contributed to culture and enhanced our life on Earth. I'm Robin Applewood, producer, musician, DJ, sound engineer, and promoter with over 20 years of experience in the business. I interview other professionals from the Bay Area music scene and beyond. Meet the extraordinary humans that make up this intricate and robust industry. The talented and creative humans that hustle day in and day out to bring sounds to our earbuds and produce the live music experiences that become some of the best moments of our lives. I'm here with Patricia Gums. Her first experience in the music industry was working VIPs in the guest services at uh, the German techno festival SMS. Since then, she strategically sought out positions with a serious commitment to music and nightlife. In San Francisco, this includes stints at Sushi Groove South, Yoshi's, the UC Theater, and the Chapel. And so, Patricia, hi, how are you? Good, how are you, Robin? I'm really happy that you're here with us. Same. There was a, a section of this um, intro that I was reading that I'd, I'd stop short because it says um, that booking events often includes live music and therefore it's been your dream industry. Um, and I'd like to find out a little bit more about that. Like, w- you know, what, why is it your dream industry? What, what, what draws you to it? You know, for me, I didn't really realize that I was doing that. I know I said in my intro it was strategically, but I realized later that I picked places that always had live music. And when I chose um, different places that didn't have live music, it just didn't like it felt like it had no soul. Mm. So I really I realized like I needed to be um, in businesses that were really serious about their about their music. And it was also basically the, the places that I personally wanted to go to. And I always want to work in places that I, I need to be at, like, that makes me, that makes me happy. So I was like, well, this is easy life music. I'm going to work there. (laughs) I hear that. Um, I know. That's how we met. That's how we met. Yeah, that's right. And Mm -hmm. you reminded me at Sushi Groove. I thought it was Yoshi's, but it was even before that. (laughs) Way back. Way back. Amazing. I love it. And so I, I imagine that you probably learned a lot in that time um you know maybe any preconceived notions that you had about how the music industry worked and venues and whatnot F- fast forward to now like what what are some like things that you learned that just kind of blew your mind or i don't know that you just had no idea it was like that music industry it honestly it um you're gonna laugh about this because um Yoshi's, right, working in a jazz club for people who don't know, you know, Yoshi's was very heavily focused on jazz. Yes, we had some hip hop um, music and we had some independent um, shows like yourself. But in general, the jazz industry was pretty chill. You know, it was very, very much business. Um, The contracts were pretty straightforward and um, I would say it was pretty civilized. Till I moved to not naming names, but the chapel and UC theater where it is kind of, you know, considered rock and roll and indie. Mm -hmm. And it is pretty straightforward, cutthroat, crazy. It is the music, like it is the connotation of what you imagine with music industry, Mm -hmm. you know, difficult and, you know, lots of personalities and lots of things you'd never think about that needed to be considered. Mm. You know, we all just see the, oh, we're going to a concert. Yay, such and such is playing. And it's like the drama behind the scenes is just unbelievable where you sometimes are like, are you serious right now? (laughs) You know, and you know, from the, from the temperature of the espresso that needed to be served to the green room requests to, you know, the, the craziness of the fans, the drama, 
And, you know, it's it's what why we love it and what's why we hate it and why it's so addicting. And still you stuck with it. Yeah. I mean, it's like it doesn't feel like work. It's like it feels like I can't believe I get to run around and play. You know, right. it's extremely stressful. Event producers are number three stressful job after aviation um, and police officer. And mind you, we don't save lives, although we might save lives. I think so. <laughs> I do. I've seen it. Happen, I think so actually. too. I do too. I do too. But it's, you know, like compared to those jobs, it's always a little benign, but at the same time, I'm like, especially the pandemic. And, you know, I'm sure you've, see, you've seen all those articles. It's like, what got us through the pandemic, right? It was music, listening to music, um, you know, like, like something that needed to keep you going mm. and like all the soundtracks of the music for or the movies too. You know, it's what it's who defines us. I think who if you're into music, if you're not into music, we can't be friends anyway. So. I mean, is that I guess there are people like that, aren't there? <laughs> yeah, they're like, yeah. And I'm like, what? Oh, bless, bless their souls. <laughs> I know. <laughs> That's cool. It's a, I love what you're saying. It really kind of summarizes why I'm doing this podcast, actually. Um, mm-hmm. And so so here you are. And, you know, as you're saying, the pandemic has hit our industry or the event industry uh, almost harder than any other one. And, um, and yet you are here, you are like still kind of paving the way. So tell me, uh, let's fill us in a little bit on, on what you've been doing down at the UC theater during the pandemic and your experience with that. So um, I'm actually at the chapel back again. Okay. Um, So the, I was at the chapel, but you were doing UC theater. I was. Okay. No, you're right. So I was chapel and then I was using theater and I came back mm. to the chapel. So I was, uh, you know, strictly doing events, which includes indirectly a ton of music. You know, yep. if you're doing events in the music industry, the client books the venue because they want to book uh, most likely a DJ or a band. Mm-hmm. So while you're not directly booking it, you often deal with the talent just as much. You just don't deal with the contracts as much. But a lot of times you might inherit those relationships and then start booking demands or, you know, like it becomes, you kind of become all, you throw it all in the, in the same fold. So I was back at the chapel just doing, you know, hundred um, percent events and the pandemic hit and nothing. We all, everything stopped, you know, uh, it was just tumbleweeds. No one knew anything. It was getting more depressing and more depressing. I was still working through the pandemic because we played this rebooking game, right? So everybody who is a promoter or an agent or a band, we were in rebooking Groundhog Day. It's like, you know, we're like, oh, let's go into fall. Then we like, when this crazy booking frenzy would fall, you know, everybody thought fall would be the gold mine. And then we're realizing fall is not happening. And then, you know, at this point, it was either refund or go into the next year. And personally, I was like, I'm not playing this game with the constant rescheduling. It's not, there's so much emotion tied to private clients because it's their wedding or it's their big, you know, whatever legacy party where you don't want to tell these people constantly, okay, how about in three months? Mm -hmm. And then it's like, do you guys, and then constantly like, do you guys have any insight? I'm like, we have no insight. We listen to the mayor, just like everyone else. We listen to the governor, just like everyone else. If you want to know what I know, read Twitter right there that's where we get the info because that's where you get it the fastest and that's it you know Mm. so that all this happened we're rescheduling rescheduling all of a sudden you know with one week notice we're allowed to open again and i became the master of the regulations i can literally memorize like what's in the regulation who changed like every week 
And so the owners called and they're like, well, there is no events for the foreseeable future till we have the vaccine. Um, do you want to reopen the restaurant and GM and bring in, bring in the drips? And I was like, well, yeah, I do because my industry is dying. And, you know, like the restaurant and, you know, events is like super tight. So same thing. Mm -hmm. So I was like, yeah, for sure. And we were able to really capitalize on outdoor dining because we had a parking lot. Um, so it went from a 37 seat patio restaurant with a roof out, you know, ventilation mm -hmm. to uh, we had a parking lot that the bands used to park in. The big tour buses were there. So all of a sudden I'm building out a parking lot. And then the sidewalk got allowed. So all of a sudden I'm like, you know, fighting with the motorcycles over the parklet, <laughs> um, you know, became the parklet master. We have three parklets and then the street got closed. We were part of a uh, pilot and I'm not sure Roman, how much you followed that. Like Valencia mm -hmm. was uh, one of the first um, segments that the city allowed to completely shut the traffic. Um, from Thursday to Sunday, and it really helped all the businesses. It kind of became a little crazy. It became like Coachella, you know, because we started booking music, you know, and so the music was all like no wind instruments, like you know, like you had to be super, super gnarly on what they were able to do and whatnot. And then you know, once we closed the street, all the street musicians came, you know. There was music everywhere. Right. It was literally like like a festival or a carnival where I was like, <laughs> we had our we had our musicians. Then then all the local mariachis came, oh, nice. which have always been in the mission. You know, the chapels in the mission. That's traditional, but they were singing and they're not allowed to sing and they come onto the property. And then I, I have to be the fun police <laughs> of all the people, oh, you know. And it's like then I'm fighting with the mariachis, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> it's like you know like. Yeah, it was it was hilarious. Um, it was very empowering because people were literally feeling like they they had life back, you know, mm -hmm. um, and they had something to do and somewhere to go. And, you know, everybody was not in sweats and no bra situation, you know, people could dress up and then we, it became a scene. We became like a huge scene. And, you know, I had waiting lists and there was line like what in COVID. And so when are we talking about like around what time? Uh, the first street closure was July 25th. It like, it went crazy till October. Wow. It was insane. I had to hire security. We had security, which, you know, I happen to have because we have a nightclub. <laughs> so we, we just needed to call our staff in, but like we, the line was so crazy with all the rules that I was like, I, I'm not policing this line when I'm dealing with COVID and mass and distance, social distancing, you know? Yeah. I'm, but yeah. at the, I remember when they were like closing the, the beaches in the beginning of the pandemic yeah. and the, mm -hmm. there were a couple that were still open and they just got flooded with people because it's mm -hmm. like, yeah, mm -hmm. like if you consolidate every, if you close everything, but keep a couple things open, everyone's going to flock mm -hmm. to those things. <laughs> yeah. And people, people were driving up. I mean, I talked to everyone, yeah. you know, people were driving up from San Jose and you know, it, it was exciting, but at, you know, at the same time I was like, all right, this is real. And, you know, like we also, you know, I had so many musicians contact me. Like we started booking acts that we um, had in the chapel, you know, before basically we always had a music program in Korea in the restaurant. And it was like, you know, jazz trios, like very, you know, um, just instrumental, you know. 
And then there were so many people out of work mm -hmm. that, you know, my owners were like, hey, let's, you know, we need to open this up to everyone. And like the musicians were so thankful because no, there was, you know, this, there was no gigs, you know? Yep. So I started booking music, um, you know, and it's like, we have a really fun story of like this kid who came by, I call him a kid. He's not a kid, but he saw, he saw our flamenco guitarist and he's like, okay, can we play? And I was like, yeah, bring your guitar. And then he was, you know, so charming that I ended up booking him on Wednesdays and he's become one of our regulars. And he's, you know, he brought, he plays blues and R&B. So he's a little bit different than, you know, who we normally book. Right on. What's his name? Uh, Joseph. Shout out. Joseph Contreras. Joseph Contreras. Yeah. yeah. And so, yeah, I think what, you know, kind of some of the things you're saying are, I think are like really important about like, you know, how many people, um, in this industry rely on it for their for their work for their jobs you know what you were saying about when people go to the show they just have no idea what what you know all the 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 wheels and mechanics that go into making that show happen and um and yeah so i i wonder if you can offer you know your thoughts and your opinion on like what are some of the ways like coming out of this that like bands and venues and and promoters can kind of work together to um make the system better or create you know new models that are going to work better i know that's a kind of a big question but yeah i mean i think what we all saw and um that most venues you know um revolts to were like streaming live streaming you know it's safe like we i you know we had this idea where we're like okay what if we have them playing the chapel and then we film it and you can stream it so it's still kind of live but like you know i don't have specific suggestions i just found that the people who embraced it versus who just froze they they were the most successful mm -hmm. we had one one musician jello cello joe yeah you might know him. Oh, yeah, yeah you know he's been around yeah he's been around forever and he you know he was just like that his whole set was like facebook live mm -hmm. and you know, what i what was easiest for me because i was you know i'm not a music booker i normally the events book them um but everybody that i worked with and that um i i was like introduced to the more they helped me promote the better it was in, in my terms because i had so many other things to do that like if i had to create the content for them you're going to take a lot of time away from me you know mm -hmm. but the people who like you know like started hitting up the videos made the flyers did the thing tagged me all i need to do is like repost on instagram you know it is a huge help and the people who didn't i was like can you do me a favor and help me promote because in order to promote you I need things from you, you know? Mm. So, you know, like it's, it's, it's not enough to be a musician. You have to be like a marketing machine. It's sad. It's disgusting. We all know this, yeah. you know, normally you should probably pay people to do that, but right now no one has money. So the more, the more you embrace all the new stuff and the more you're like with it, the easier it is, is for me. And then like, you know, it's the same, just be responsive, be fast, be, be friendly. Mm. You know, that helps. I've been I've been going back and forth on a, a Facebook post that I did today that uh, were ex exactly what we're talking about and and you know um, I think that a lot a lot of musicians you know probably have the conception that venues should do more to help promote artists and um, 
a lot of venues have the conception that artists should do more to promote their shows. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I'm kind of in the middle because I think, because I've worked on all sides of it. I've been, you know, the booker, the musician. I've worked directly with owners, promote, I've been a promoter, yada, yada. And so I kind of like where I lie is a little bit more in the middle. Like everyone just needs to like, prop each other up and support each other and it's not like us versus them or you know and so people just need to trust that everyone's doing their best to survive and and uh Mm -hmm. i yeah i guess i i I wonder um yeah what's your perspective on that i mean you kind of just touched on it but yeah it 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 really depends on in how you work with the venue right so i can answer this like twofold if i am the an event producer or i represent the venue as the you know director of sales or sales manager there is venues where you can say hey we, you booked a room from us. It's all you, you do the promo, whatever, you know? And that's, I think that's pretty much standard. However, for a small fee off, and that depends on which venue where you work, if you can say, Hey, we have a newsletter. It has 11,000 subscribers. You can, you know, this is how much it costs or, Hey, we work with these poster artists. You guys need a, do you need an artist or do you, you know, like Mm -hmm. they're, they're basically there's packages where you can say, hey, you can opt into our marketing machine and get the exposure of our brand and our distribution list. Or you're like, hey, you got this? Do you have people working for you? Um, you know, we can we can help you promo, but it's not guaranteed. And it's, it's really depending on how your business model is, is written. But like, depending where I work, I always make clear this comes with like we will help you or you're you're renting the room. Mm-hmm. You're not we are not representing you. You're not part of our booking roster. And people need to understand that. And especially if people who are new in the industry, they often don't understand that. Right. You know, so, but it's also like, it depends on who you work with to get that clarity. What does my rental come with? And in general, it comes with nothing, you know, if you rent it. And a lot of times, small bands or acts, that's a way of how they can get into venues if they're not getting picked up by the booker, right? Yeah. They're taking, they're taking so, on the risk, but at the end of the day, the venue's got to cover their right. overhead. Exactly. So, so that's, that's that answer for if you come through me through uh, as an event client, if I am accidentally booking you as, you know, an artist on in the pandemic, then, you know, I'll do as much as I can, but it's again, not a guarantee because it's also not my job. Like, you know, we're hiring you. How many people come is up to you, mm. you know? And how do you figure and out? It's oh, like, sorry. Well, in the pandemic, we don't want a lot of people to come because, there is six feet distance rules and this it's a whole like the whole game changed right yeah and then i don't don't know if you followed we had the only outdoor concert in san francisco in our parking lot um i didn't see that and i yeah we did so uh we got the permit and we ran it through our booking team obviously from the chapel and you know it was interesting because it was a sit-down show and it was very much like Yoshi's in the olden days. Like you and I are used to that. But like, you know, the the rock and roll venue that we I represent now, the shows are 500 people and we're like jumping, you know. So it was the music of Twin Peaks. It was um, the Red Orchestra. It's beautiful. We had like amazing visuals from um, the uh, Mad Alchemists. I believe it's attacking, but it's amazing. You know, super trippy visuals on the wall outside. And it, it was... It was amazing. Honestly, I almost cried because we were all like so starved for live music. And, you know, people in Valencia walked by. Everybody's just like was like, what is happening? You know, it's like besides live music, there was like trippy stuff coming off the walls. So that was amazing. But, you know, the drama 
we had to go through to put that on versus, you know, financial impact. It's, you know, you have to decide if it's worth it or not, besides uplifting everyone, including ourselves. Yeah. And I can imagine that the financials uh, get tricky, too, when you have to limit the amount of people that can come and... Yeah, it's 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 exactly that. It's like, you know, you have a tenth of your capacity and it's outside and, you know, like San Francisco weather and cold the fog is, you know, questionable at all times. So how do you think like this all works out? You know, like when when venues, you know, are barely covering their expenses, you know, mm -hmm. bands, obviously artists, they need to get paid. Um, right. Everyone's kind of saying like, I need to, you know, I need to get mine. And like, so mm -hmm. what do you think? Like, I don't know, kind of outside the box or like, where does that come from? Does that come from like the government? Does it come from the city? Does it come from outside sources in a way? I think it comes with a level of comfort for people a, to come out again and be in a closed space. If we're talking indoor right now, you know, if you, if you're saying like inside a venue, um, I think it depends on how comfortable people are with being vaccinated and what that means. And it's like, what, are we going to be a police state and you're going to like come in with a vaccination only situation, you know? And it's like, you know, I've seen other promoters ask that question, like, what will it take for you to go to concert again? You know? And yes, I didn't read the comments, but, um, I don't know. Like, I'm, you know, I don't know if I want to get vaccinated, to tell you the truth, you know, and if that means I can't go places, so be it, you know, mm. like, you know, in terms of financial impact, I think, I, I don't think business models will be different because the equation hasn't changed. You still have, you need to, you know, pay your net, not in the bigger the venue, the more those costs are. I mean, it is insane what the big venue costs just to open the doors. Right. So I know there was some like funding going around mm -hmm. and then I also heard mm -hmm. that there was a lot of red tape. Um, like what, mm -hmm. do you know much about that? You know, I'm, I wasn't involved in all the loans and all that stuff. Um, I believe a lot of venues got it and I think it's been really helpful, but like everybody's so much, we're all in a year hold, yeah. hold, you know, like you just, I think you're just like throwing money right now on a huge, you know, floor that we talked about that's, you know, unending, but like no one's making money on that. I think it just like helps to keep your main staff or bring your main staff to maybe gear up. But with this constant opening, like now we're in this open, close, open, close, open, close cycle where you're like, is it going to end? There's a new, you know, there's a second virus out now that's supposed to be more dangerous. And I'm like, oh, great. It goes another year, you know? So difficult yeah i'm yeah. i'm keeping it with my german optimism. And, the, and then you got to go do all those rebookings again i mean that's mm -hmm. just what a hassle honestly i'm not i'm not doing the rebookings right. like for me with my event clients i'm not sending out proposals right now mm -hmm. i'm literally saying till we have a statewide um green light from the government that we can gather again i'm not even saying like it is honestly it's not fair to clients it's not fair to us like most of us are not on payroll anymore, you know, right now. So it's like, I'm not going to play this game and have absolutely no, no say on when it's when, like, basically I was like, the minute the governor says you, we can have events, I will call you if I have a job, but <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, much trouble. but, um, until that day happens, I'm not like, we're not doing proposals. We're not saying possibly everybody thinks we have some inside line. We don't have an inside line. 
the inside line doesn't have an inside line, you know? Mm-hmm. It's depending by the, the death rate. So Yeah. Sounds pretty grim. <laughs> it sounds grim, but I feel like, you know, there was so much creativity too, where I'm like, okay, there's all these new industries that are coming out. It just didn't really you know, it didn't really come from, from our industry. I feel like some people like started new businesses, you know, I'm, I'm sure you are friends with our sound engineer friend who became a, a side barbecue hustle and he makes amazing barbecue. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Oh, what's his name? Or oh, are we allowed to say, or I mean, I don't, we know. I, I don't pull- know. I don't, it's your podcast, but like, it's been amazing. Like he was like, he's like one of my favorite examples That's where awesome. I'm like, you know, it's like he, we've done sound together and he's just keeps posting these amazing barbecue uh, deliveries he's making. And I'm like, well, shit, you know, yeah. everybody like is making the hobby into, you know, an, an income stream. But like, you know, seeing the events people are and sound and, you know, all the production people, it's painful. It's a lot harder to, to pivot as like a, a venue or, you know, like, so what, I mean, I guess some venues are doing this live stream thing. Have you guys considered that? Or are there other ways that you've thought about pivoting? Um, yeah, we've done some live mm-hmm. streaming, but like, like, again, I am involved in the venue side on the event mm-hmm. side. So the actual, you know, like the daily in and out booking, I'm not involved with. We, I'm involved with when we discuss dates and, you know, like we help each other with bookings, but not really. And I, I don't think like no one has money. That's the thing, too. Everybody is broke. Yeah. You know, what we've seen a huge support on is, you know, we literally like you know, we're selling merch. People like literally buy it just to support the chapel. Um, you know, we did for New Year's Eve, we did this New Year's Eve kits and we kind of gave it a spin. Hey, we normally would all be raging together here with Fantastic Negrito, who knows who, but hey, do you want to take the chapel home? Here's a party kit. And a lot of people from our um, chapel times were like, hey, we would be here. They literally said to me personally, we would be here with you yeah. and we can. So we, we want to take a piece home and, you know, celebrate at home with that. And that was, that was really, honestly, it's really heartwarming. Well, that's, um, that's actually a good note for us to kind of wrap up on. Cause I was kind of hoping how we could like, what could we plug? Like, how can we, uh, let people know that, you know, there's certain ways to support you guys and, and, you know, for us to support each other. I mean, clearly it sounds like you're doing that by trying to provide opportunities to bring bands back, mm-hmm. but like what, mm-hmm. well, I know there's a lot of people out there that are big fans of, of the chapel. They've played there. They've you know gone to see their friends there. Like what, I mean, so you said people can come buy merch. Like what are some things that people mm-hmm. can do to, to support right now? By merge, um, you know, there was the whole independent venue alliance needed a lot of signatures, any kind of legislative efforts you see, you know, sign, support, you know, share, whatever, um, you know, the Instagram channel is asking you to do, just help with that. And, you know, once it's open, obviously come back. Um, yeah, it's hard. It's hard. And that that's exactly what you see people scramble trying to do. Like, what can we do to like, you know, like, should we create VIP memberships when we come back and all that stuff? And I'm like, why don't we deal with that when we're back? You know, but like, yeah, merch and, you know, just support for venues if there's like stuff that needs to be signed and pushed through. I mean, right now it's really good about getting aid, you know, aid from the feds. Yeah. Because it seems like, yeah. I mean, this is beyond us. I mean, yes, of course, grassroots is important, but 
you know, the amount of help people need right now is a little bit more on a federal level. It's kind of, yeah, level. it sounds like it's, it's kind of larger than all of us. You know, even those, mm-hmm. those little efforts can, can only go so far. They so. can only go so far. And it's like, you have to understand everybody's in the same boat, you know? Yep. Awesome. Well, Patricia, I really appreciate your time today. And, uh, I really, you know, and at the end of all these podcasts, I just, I have the same kind of feeling of like, well, you know, I hope, I hope, I hope, but, uh, you know, mm-hmm. it's like none of us really knows. And, and, you know, I'm just sending you, sending you the best wishes and, and hopefully, uh, we can all support each other and, and uh, hopefully we see each other on the other side and whatever the new normal looks like. <laughs> exactly. Welcome back. Outdoor dining, uh, outdoor dining is opening and we're starting to book bands okay. again. And right on. that that's honestly, that's been the, the most amazing thing is to have live music every single night and every single brunch cool. at Curio, which is the restaurant for the chapel. Right on. So people can follow you guys on, on Instagram to mm-hmm. find out more. Yep. Yep. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much, Patricia. Have a good thank one. Thank you, Robin. Yeah. You too. All the best. You too. Bye. Feel the beat.